Cinema Vino is brought to you by Audible. Audible has an expansive list of books and podcasts spread across a ton of genres. Sign up and you get to keep one title per month for yourself. As a movie nerd, I'm looking forward to Quentin Tarantino's Cinema Speculation. In it, he analyzes classic movies with a special emphasis on 70s American cinema. He puts a personal touch on his analysis, giving you special insight into the movies that led him to be a filmmaker. Also, All About Me by Mel Brooks. In this book, the 95-year-old comedy icon discusses his transformative career across stage, TV screen, and cinemas. He's a man with a million stories, so this is a must for movie fans. Sign up today for your free 30-day trial of Audible. Visit www.audibletrial.com slash cinemavino. Once again, that's www.audibletrial.com slash cinemavino. Welcome back to Cinema Vino. This is the final uh, episode in our Oscar gauntlet, our Best Picture gauntlet. Ahoy! That we are running. Uh, we got Sean Jordan, Howdy, Travis Bud, your boy, and my name is Todd Wofford. It's your boy. Taylor Owens is still deep in the Himalayas, but when he is done with his sabbatical with the Maharishi, we will have him back on here. I'm I'm interested to see what enlightenment brings to this podcast. I just want to know his mantra. Probably fermented goat's milk. Yeah. Uh, hopefully that's his mantra. Goat if he's lucky. Yak if he's doing alright. Shangri-La. Yeah. Shambhala. Mrs. Goat if you're nasty. Ooh. Um, so we are drinking um, Easy Tiger, which is a Pinot Noir from the Willamette Valley. Um, oh, this is our second Willamette Valley. Yeah. Oh, yeah. This, the night. this is my favorite region for wine. I don't know if the listeners out there can tell, but this is my favorite. My Oregon's my go-to for wine. Hmm. Uh, just it's just they have fun, good quality wines at good prices. So they, I, I've long ago like been a huge Oregon fan. So when it came time to get my my wife a present for her birthday, it, it was basically like we could go any to any wine country we want. I picked Oregon because everybody said it's more laid back. It's more people the people there are more down to earth. So that Mitch made sense. Everybody knows Todd's a fan of organs. <laughs> Bunch of hippies. <laughs> Okay, so uh, we're going to talk about The Fablemans, uh, Steven Spielberg's um, semi-autobiographical film, uh, along with this. But I want to use my uh, wine music one more time while we talk about this wine. So I'm going to do it right now. Shall get, we? Get ready. Oh. Marry me. So, yeah, I mean, and <laughs> the first time I played that for my wife, she's, I had, like, the sound of a wine bottle being poured into a glass and she said it sounded too much like urinating so i didn't want to put that image out there into the universe of you know somebody popping a bottle of wine while they're openly urinating it would be the most accurate sound effect for this podcast yeah it would be it would be apropos again i'm I'm really missing peeing into ice at at bars yeah i just it's just great it's a gratifying feeling yeah it is do you ever try it with like different types of ice, or is it always like the oh, little, like, a sonic like sonic ice, ice or like uh-huh. cubed ice, or all big, I can really big, think like, of is freezer ice in Stillwater, peeing into that trough, which full of ice. Travis is referring to a bar in Stillwater, Oklahoma, which is the home of Oklahoma State University. So for those who are go pokes, uh, go pokes out there in other parts of the world, that is what he is referencing. Uh, my wife, that's also her alma mater, is Oklahoma State University. Do so. they put Ice into the uh, the women's toilets. I don't know. That'll be a question for her. When Honestly, they should. They should. <laughs> so whenever she comes back into town, we will ask her that. 
And I'm so glad I played that soothing uh, <laughs> guitar uh, piece of music there for us talking about peeing into ice cubes. So it's great because I guess it, it's a slow trickle, so it doesn't, you know, gets rid of the the pee smell in the bathroom <laughs> because it's constantly melting. It disrupts it's, it's the, a, the yeah. stream. Yeah, yeah. Which you know, I love it that somebody's going to like hear like you know, I want to know about the wines and what they're drinking with. I the movie. really like the Fablemans. I'm going to yeah. listen to this episode. And then like the first three or four minutes is us talking about peeing into Sonic ice cubes. <laughs> well, I don't know if I've ever peed into a Sonic ice cube, but you know that would be less first time for everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah. Just describe for me the ice that you do pee into. I don't know. It's normally just like it, it, it gets made. It's kind of like hotel ice where they just make a whole bunch at once. They just put the, the, uh, okay, bucket, yeah, the bucket in there yeah. and grab it and go in. And you hope that that's not the same bucket that they like serve you ice with because they take it in the bathroom and they splash it right into the, you know, mostly it's probably a trough. But anyway, it keeps you from having to flush or worry about flushing and reflushing and, right. and no, no it, it makes doesn't come back up yeah yeah it's just it's you know what it's great so this is a pinot this is a pinot noir called easy tiger easy y t t g r and it's not my favorite pinot noir to be honest i don't love it exactly you and i t y um it, i mean it has that kind of lean pinot noir fruit, fruit flavor to it but it just has a, a weird like Kind of funk to it. We we did concede that we probably blasted our our flavor palettes with, with the previous, previous yeah. two wines that we had. But it's got an odd like before taste and an aftertaste. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't have a settling aftertaste. No, it tastes like it's full of dust. <laughs> I've been sitting on your nightstand all night. That's how I feel about Johnny Walker. Johnny Walker feels like I'm drinking an antique shop. Ooh, yeah. It is an old school whiskey. Mm, not a fan. Yeah, no, I'm not either. I don't love Johnny Walker. Hmm. Um. But yeah, for this one, it's like it, it feels. It, it's not that it doesn't have that corky like wet newspaper feeling to it, but it just has a weird earthy funk to it. Yeah, and it I is a screw top, a f- not not cork. No, this this one's a cork. This one, is, this one is a cork. Yeah, oh, this one was a screw top. Fuck yeah, my jeans. <laughs> Wait, I I said it. This is not like one. it was poured through a cork, and you said it. All right, I thought you were talking about the Riesling. No, I was talking about this old guy. Yeah. And no, I mean it, it's not corked. It just has a weird, I think, earthy feel. No, I'm just tasting the cork is the problem. Yeah. Well, I think again, I think we're, we're still tasting the powerful flavors and smell of the riesling that we had the, before. The mm. funk is with us. Yeah. In fact, I'm gonna sneeze. And also with you. And also with you. <laughs> I'm gonna sneeze. You guys talk about yourself. Um. What? Oh, check your nose, man. You got a you got a bat in the cave. You got a Batman in the cave. That's fucking Dracula. That's Desmodus Draculae. That's the the giant bat megafauna. <laughs> oh. what, what movie did we watch? I don't know what the hell we're even doing here. Uh, the Fablemans, um, Steven Spielberg's autobiographical film. Sorry, this is our fourth podcast and our fourth glass of wine. Yes, we're feeling just funky. I think this is our third glass of wine. You know what? I had one before I got here. <laughs> <laughs> Little do they know, Travis had four glasses of wine. <laughs> um, but uh, this grossed $36 million against a $40 million budget. This continues the theme of art house movies struggling uh, after COVID. This was directed by Steven Spielberg based on his life experiences. He co-writes this movie with playwright Tony Kushner, who he collaborated with on Munich, Lincoln, and West Side Story. Spielberg uh, waited until the deaths of his parents, which his mother passed away in 2017. His father passed away in 2020, I believe, uh, past the age of 100. Uh, he, really? Yeah. 
He did not wish. Yeah. He did not wish to hurt their feelings, so he waited until they had passed away to make this movie. It's kind of dickish. And I think I heard that he uh, never told his dad that he knew about his mom's infidelity, I think. And that's maybe another reason why. I I didn't uh, watch... I hadn't seen this movie before today, but I had seen the uh, CBS Sunday morning like segment on it, I think. Travis loves CBS Sunday morning. But I fucking do. Those moments in nature's are never long enough. It's like a warm quilt and a, a pot of coffee. God. <laughs> Seen right into my soul. <laughs> <laughs> so the story centers on young Sammy Fableman, who is a Sam Sam Fableman, who is a proxy for young Steven Spielberg. Uh, and through him, we learn the influences that drove Spielberg to become the filmmaker that we know today. At the same time, we see his eccentric eccentric parents, played by Paul Dano and Michelle Williams, slowly drifting away from each other and toward divorce. This will greatly affect Spielberg's later works, including Close Encounters and All Catch Me If You Can. Pretty much everything in between, in one way or another, everything from E.T. to Empire of the Sun, Indiana Jones, The Last Crusade, they all feature difficult relationships with his father. Uh, so you also see vignettes from Judd Hirsch uh, playing a quirky, distant great uncle, and Seth Rogen as a de facto uncle who is a close family friend and develops a, a suspiciously close bond with Sam's mother. And so basically that's what I have for notes. I'm curious to see what you guys think. Uh, so Sean, we'll start with you. Um, so we talked about this a little bit before we started podcasting. Um, it was a it was a good movie. I enjoyed it. It felt very masturbatory. It felt like Ooh. Steven Spielberg writing a movie about himself, directing a movie about himself, and sort of patting himself on the back the whole time. It just felt very much like, and it like, it's it's hard to write a semi-autobiographical movie. It's different from a book. It's not like you're telling your own story. It's like you're trying to tell a story that is semi-based on yourself. And I, I think that's a, a taller order than just writing a book about yourself because you can add in your own commentary. My struggle with is that when you are writing a story that is sort of based on yourself, it feels so much like you're putting yourself in the hero seat all the time. Yeah. Like, I, I have no doubt that he faced a lot of these struggles that this character did where he was seeing his parents' marriage sort of dissolve and he was seeing, you know, oh, I got moved around a lot because of my dad's job and I got bullied because I went to, you know, California and I was Jewish and, yeah. like, you know, yada, yada, yada. I fully believe that those are struggles that he, he faced. Do I think he was as clever and as, like, smart and as great as the Sammy Fableman was? <sighs> it feels very much like he's patting himself on the back for like an hour and a half. Yeah. Two hours. This is a long movie. This is like a two and a half hour movie. Mm -hmm. It right? is. This one feels kind of long to me. Um, it feels like two and a half hours. I definitely felt like I was kind of checking my phone a little bit during some of the moments. It kind of drags in, in the middle. Um, but it was very well directed. I thought I enjoyed the moments where he kind of like nods at the, at the audience like the moments where he's like telling his bullies, like, besides, not like I'm going to tell anybody about this, mm -hmm. unless I yeah. make a movie about it. <laughs> it's very much just like pan to the camera, wink, wink, mm -hmm. you know? And like the very end of the movie where it's like the last shot where he says, like, see, you know, see where the horizon is? Mm -hmm. If it's, as the horizon's low, it's interesting. 
Horizon's high. It's interesting. Horizon's in the, Horizon's in the middle. Boring as boring shit. Boring as shit. <laughs> and so, like, the very last shot shows him walking off into the horizon, and the camera just adjusts yeah. midway through to put the horizon low in the in the shot. I I thought that was fun. I wish. And he there based it on a real conversation. I I fully. I didn't even that, notice yeah. that last shot. Mm-hmm. I I wish they were there were more moments like that. I wish there was more stuff that was self-referential. Yeah. But he was so nervous, like exactly like in the movie, where it's like there's a long, awkward silence. But then he he gave him that exact advice of like look at the paintings and find the horizon. So, yeah, I caught that at the end of it where it's like you know he was framing the final shot with the horizon in the middle of the screen. Yeah, and he's like panned up, panned up. Yeah, it's like he could hear John Ford yelling at him, and it's like supposedly John Ford was a very temperamental, very quirky director. There was a long debate in real life of whether or not he needed that eye patch or whatever that was just decoration, <laughs> which is like <laughs> where, where they got Kramer on Seinfeld wears an eye patch. Just for the just for show, but then he can't see depth anymore, and so he starts getting walking like, into stuff. horrible accidents. Yeah, yeah. they're like they they never knew if John Ford actually needed that eye patch, or he just wore it just to look like more of a hard ass. Yeah. So anyway, um, overall, I think it was very well directed. It was very well acted. I thought the acting was awesome. I thought the guy who played uh, Sam was great. Dead on. The yeah, second one, the older one. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I thought Paul Dano. Um, was very good as the father. Uh, Seth Rogen, honestly, he was fine. He was good. That's kind of a surrogate uncle. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the writing just, I think it's the story that overall bugs me about this movie. I give it a six. Too indulgent for you? It's too indulgent. Like, it's too patting myself on the back, writing a movie about myself. Yeah. And it feels that way that entire time. Yeah. And I can totally see that. Travi? I would give it a six, but I'm going to give it a five and a half just because it, yeah, it it gave me, as the kids say this these days, the ick, the cringe. Um, uh, it was unwoke? Yeah. It, what? Huh? No. Uh, um, but, yeah, I, Michelle Williams, good actress. Yes. In this, not so much. I didn't believe it the whole time. It was just too much. Yeah, I, I didn't A little too character. over the top, like. I don't know when, when she was uh, giving her lines, acting, doing all that, great. But the long, lingering, lasting looks and some of the other, uh, the the subtle acting or nods that they were trying to evoke or do, like there was no subtlety to it. It didn't work for me. Like they would, you know, they would be going through his um, reels and then slowing it down and showing, you know as Paul Dano is walking her through their brand new house at the very end and like slowing down to look on her face. And it's just like, she's looking at the camera and being like, Oh my God, I'm trapped or whatever it was. It's just too much, too over the top. And you know, if it's, if this is a uh, autobiographical, just name your character fucking Spielberg. Like, yeah, I don't give a shit about like Sam Fableman, whatever. Yeah. Calling him I mean, Fableman's felt weird. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I know there's a documentary about him called The Fable Man, um, because when I was l- trying to look this up, that's what kept popping up. I'm like, no, I don't know what episode or documentary this is. This isn't what I'm looking for. Yeah. Um, and it was fine. Other than that, it just hopped around. It it didn't... None of this grabbed me. Like, it was 75% there as a a good story a good film but it never stuck the landing for me like 
I wanted it to, kind of, but I didn't really care yeah. too much. Like, um, you know, he, he started struggling in school at the end. I'm like, all right, I've seen this film before. I've seen this movie, seen this story. Um, where, you know, where are we going to get, like, it wasn't breaking any new ground for me. I don't know why this is up for any of the Academy Awards other than... Because it's, it's Spielberg's Spielberg. doing his autobiography. Yeah. I, it doesn't... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> what you said, it was just uh, masturbatory. Masturbatory. That That's great. I wish I had come up with that. But yeah, it was. it seems like he was up his own ass a little bit too much. Yeah. And like, man, your your movies are great, but if you waited this long to make this movie... You fucked it up. No, thank you. Appreciate you. Yeah. I'm glad uh, I only spent six bucks renting this movie. I didn't spend a full eight to $10 on it. Like, see, I didn't see it in theaters. No, no. I, I just I watched it say, today. As soon as I saw like the trailer for this movie and I knew what it was about and I heard what it was about, I was like, this is Oscar bait. This is just Oscar bait. Mm-hmm. This doesn't look good. This looks like it's a movie made to like be an Oscar nominee. I will say that out of our, our films that we've watched today, like what Triangle of Sadness and Tar. Women Talking, and I haven't seen Tar, but like out of all of them, this would be one that I would watch again. Uh, and it's, it seems odd saying that, that I give it, you know, less score than those other ones, a 5.5. But this is this is one that you watch if it's on TV. You're like, oh, man, it's been a while since I've seen this. And you watch it again and you go... Oh, yeah, now I remember why it's been a while since I've seen this. Yeah. But this is uh, more prone to rewatches, I feel, than the other ones. So you're 5.5. 5.5 for me. Um, <clears throat> what I gave it a 6? Is that what I gave it? Yep. Yeah. And, you know, we'll, we'll agree to disagree on this one. I think this is as sharply as we'll probably do. You gave this a 10. 10. Right? And what? So, mm-hmm. And and that's that's, Talk. that's okay, um, but yeah, what you're saying, like I remember, like and I totally, those are all valid points. Totally, it's like I remember reading Eric Clapton's autobiography back in the day, and oh, you talk about somebody that's uh, up their own ass, has drunk their own Kool Aid. Yeah, his autobiography, he is proud of himself. It was like basically the classic graffiti in London at one point in the 60s was there's a famous shot of like it says Clapton is God. Somebody spray painted that on the wall. And Eric Clapton spray painted And it's like you read that book. It's like, did you do that? (laughs) You might have done that yourself. (laughs) And it's like he talks about it in the book and he kind of in a roundabout way agrees with it. It's like, yeah, I was good. (laughs) You know, it's like. Was. Man has an ego. Um, Wasn't he a COVID denier? Oh, yeah. Anti-vaxxer. Yeah. Big ol'. Yeah. Mm. Just just ruin his own legacy. Didn't didn't he kill his own child? (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) We're going to take that out. Um, So, basically, it's like, I was talking to Sean about this beforehand. And Spielberg, you know, now I have this in my notes of like, you know, for a director to make his own life story is a dangerously indulgent thing to do. It can go horribly wrong. Uh, it, it borders on a vanity project to make yeah. your own life story. But my counter to that is Spielberg is on a, he's not any director and he's on a different level of fame. It's like with the Beatles in the nineties, it's why they made the anthology was they realized that if they did not craft their own story, somebody else was going to do it for mm-hmm. them. Okay. And it would be totally Spielberg, out of their hands. He's in the Mount Rushmore of directors. Yeah. I, I like, he is straight up like one of the best. Yeah. Um, he is the most influential, like in terms of definitely in pop culture, the most influential pop culture director who's ever lived. He's the most successful director who's ever lived. Yeah. 
And so the Beatles realized that back in the day, like we need to get together and tell these stories ourselves or somebody else is going to step in. And so that's where he was, like Spielberg was making this movie. I need, you know, the, the sand's not where it is in the hourglass. You know, the, the days are running out. I need to tell my own story and get this out. Yeah, there. like like you said in your review, he's in the twilight of his third act. Yes. Well, it's, James Cameron's doing Avatar, right? Avatar 2. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Continue. And it's like, so... Which is, a, weirdly enough, an autobiography about well, himself. <laughs> yeah. It was one of his dreams. Yeah, he... Well, for some reason, for about a split second, I was like, wait, Spielberg doing uh, Avatar? I just... Yeah. All right. Um, I had to get it right in my head. Continue. <laughs> but yeah, Spielberg, I mean, it's like... And that that's a rare group of people who basically earn the right to go back and shape their own story because they're so big and so important. Especially, it's like... You know, movie movie fans, I mean, you know, and movie buffs in general, it's like, but anybody who's ever seen movies, like, you've grown up to Spielberg movies if you're of a certain age. And so it's like he's earned the right to tell, like, his own story. And, you know, basically whatever you think of this movie, that's what you're looking at. It's like he has, it's a difficult, like, pricky, prickly relationship with his parents. And he waited until he passed away to tell it because obviously out of nervousness, he didn't want to hurt their feelings. Which I, I respect the shit out of like he waited until his parents were gone to tell a story that was clearly very important to him to tell it's like you i mean he's in the position that a lot of us were we're like we love our parents and we don't want to make a movie that would potentially hurt their feelings and so he waited until neither of them were here anymore to make my, my parents listen to this podcast so <laughs> i would never make a movie that hurt their feelings <laughs> but if you did who would you cast as your parents go uh i don't know i don't know George Clooney and Annette Bening. All right, cool. <laughs> Same. Um, but and I think it's, and also it's like from my position, having gone to film school and all that kind of stuff, it's like I think that you appreciate it more as a, a true like deep dive movie nerd. And they talked about this on the New York Times podcast about who they thought would win the Oscars. And they predicted he might win for best director. That movie, like true like film school directors, movie nerds, industry people might like it more than non you know, like just regular people. They wondered how the regular audience might find this movie. They might find it indulgent and boring even. Do you, do you think he would win it as best director or did he write this movie? Would he win it he as best, it, yeah. best writer? I mean, was the direction so good that it would win out over the others? Like you said, this is Spielberg directing his life story. Yeah, I, I don't feel like the direction of this movie was so good that it would like, it puts me over the top of like, wow, this is great direction. Scorsese didn't win the Oscar for The Departed. He won the Oscar for Goodfellas and Raging Bull. Yeah, they gave it to him de facto. Yeah, it's like no, we're gonna give we're gonna give you a a retroactive. We're gonna retcon this Oscar that we should have given you earlier. Yeah, I mean Spielberg, like Peter is, Jackson, and Return of the King. They mm-hmm. gave it him eleven Oscars because of the two previous one. I mean ones that all didn't. yeah all as a whole. Yeah, but yeah. they they give it to him all. Yeah, it's at like, the end. You know, we get we nominated, uh, you know, Color Purple for eleven Oscars. We didn't nominate you for Best Director. I'm sorry. Oh yeah, what won that year for Color Purple? Out of Africa. Okay. And you know, we nom we uh, Chariots of Fire won Best Picture eighty one. Uh, we didn't give you anything for Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, just over and over and over, he's been snubbed. So it's like this is like no, sorry, here anything we can give you. It's, it's like a lifetime achievement yes. award being done as a. Best director award. Yes, if yeah. he wins for that, I still think the Daniels, uh, Quan and Schweiner for Schweinert for the uh, everything ever all at once are going to win. Yeah, they uh, should. Yes. Well, again, again a- after watching everything except for Tar, 
uh, everything everywhere all at once should win for just about best, best movie, just about everything history. that it's up for. Best movie, especially second time, especially fucking like editing and just ah oh and and costuming yeah and everything you like name it the amount. The amount Acting, of editing, writing, the writing. amount of like quick edits, the amount of costuming, the mise en scène. <laughs> the mise en scène is on point. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I think it's going to win everything. I really everything everywhere all at once. I think it's yeah. Gonna, you should we should win everything everywhere, everywhere all, all at once. once. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Watching it the second time, it gets even better. Even, I like it even I, more. The only thing I can't think of is I don't know the score or the soundtrack. Maybe something else might win. I can't think of. They're the the is, soundtrack off the is Tar nominated for its score? I don't remember because the music is amazing. Yes, but it's it is. all like classic classic. music. There's yeah. no original. That That's I the can... only thing I could see that everything everywhere doesn't win is maybe a score. I like think... I, I I'm I'm sure it was still great, but yeah, I, I think can see... uh, I'm I'm gonna predict that Angela Bassett wins Best Supporting Actress for Black Panther: Wakanda. Mm. Oh, Jed Hirsch was also nominated, nominated. for. Best supporting I actor, think Kei right? Hui Kwan for uh, everything, everyone Yes. Okay. I think he wins it. Because also, again, on CBS Sunday morning, they had a whole thing on Judd Hirsch, and we're talking about his whole life and Taxi. And they were like, yeah, you're nominated in this. And I thought he was going to be a much bigger role. I'm like, oh, no, it was fine. He's but, a big cameo. But not really. Is, is he the the uncle that, yeah. that comes in? The like, eccentric uncle. Like five yeah. minutes? Yeah. He was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was yeah. good. Great Yiddish, and I, I love the movie like in the peripheries of like that, like the uh, David Lynch playing um, John Ford and Seth. Rogen. I like the periphery, like the Seth Rogen character in there. I like that kind of outer, the you know even like the the poor kid that he's directing in the desert about how to get through the scene. The kid just like walks off, starts crying. <laughs> like the, the little moments like that yeah. are, are yeah. great. So I enjoyed this movie a lot, and I liked it even better the second time. So you've seen it twice, seen it and twice. you give it a ten. You give it a ten. Ten. Tell me why. <laughs> Tell me why. I just, I mean, as, as somebody who I, I, I related to it a lot, you know, as a kid, I had like a fake radio show in my room, like kind of like this podcast. Mm-hmm. I mean, but it was like I would have like fake celebrities on there and I'd do the celebrity voices and like I'd have a little music I'd play on my keyboard when I was like eight or nine years old. So I kind of felt him being like a little amateur filmmaker, you know, I, I related. You're a little amateur podcaster. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Where I really was, you know, and as somebody who, I, you know, sophomore, junior year of high school, I had a movie review blog you know so it's like i relate to that idea of you know he didn't really fit in anywhere so he fit in like where he like in this he, area. he found a spot for himself yeah yeah and so i i related to him a lot in this you know i felt a lot of that character so that was me but yeah it, it made a good impact on me and then you know i i enjoy a lot like i don't know how many he's my favorite director i don't know how many more movies we're going to get from him and mm. i know i know this is john williams's next to last score that he's going to do he's going to do yeah. more He's doing the last indie, and then that, that that's going to be it. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. indie is his last score. Mm-hmm. So it's like I, you know, I want to enjoy what we get from them. So that there's that feeling too. You know, he yeah. Spielberg's my favorite director, and I've it, seeing this and seeing his story. What at least what he's crafted of it adds to my enjoyment. I want to go back and watch more of his movies and see like how much of his story I can spot in these movies now. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot, and that that's perfect. I see what you guys are saying too. There's good points across the board and that's okay um but this concludes our oscar gauntlet for cinema vino is that link zelda i don't remember um 
I think that so. was yeah, that was or Zelda. Is it like, Super Mario. Did it? No, no. Princess is definitely another castle. Know. Yeah, um, but we will be back next time. Uh, next week we're going to start a series looking at classic, big, all-time top 100 movies. That none of us have not none of us, but that, that each of us hasn't seen before. We're going to tackle some. We're, we're, we're going to address our blind spots. Exactly. It'll be a blind spot series. I like the name. Yeah. Good call. And hopefully we'll be bringing back Tay real soon because we, we miss his drunken commentary like the deserts miss the rain. Like the deserts miss the rain. And I really hope we get sued by them because that would be the most fun lawsuit ever. <laughs> it's less than eight seconds. Fuck them. <laughs> we got, Fair use, bitch. <laughs> we got Sean Jordan. Howdy. Travis Bud. Bitches. Brav's Tud. My name's Todd Wofford. Great movies. Drunker and drunker and drunker. And we will see you guys next time. Fuck off. Love you. Be sure to listen, rate, and subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, CastBox, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Our website is cinemavino.net, and reviews of these films can be found at toddwoffordmovies.com.